Good morning, hello, and welcome to Scott's Movie Pod until I think of a better name, which I may never do. We are here to discuss the movies we love, for better or worse, and why we love them. A lot of people like to pick on movies or talk about why they don't like them, but uh, that's not what we're here to do. I've never seen a movie so bad or terrible that I couldn't find at least one good moment I enjoyed about it. And yeah, that's that's the essence of this podcast. So today on my show, I have Sarah Furness, friend, actress, writer on occasion, cinephile. Indeed. How are we doing today, Sarah? We are tired and cold, Scott. Um, it is <laughs> negative 20 degrees here in Minnesota, so Ooh, tired and yeah. cold. Yeah, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is definitely not negative 20 degrees here in not quite sunny Los Angeles at the moment, but uh, yeah, we, we try for weather, as you know, <laughs> but the weather just doesn't quite come. It is one of the few positives about Los Angeles, so I suppose I have to give it to you. Well, yeah, I guess that's positive, depending on who you're talking to. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we we are we're here to uh, discuss a a you could argue classic. The movie itself is not a classic, just because it's been as we were just talking about before the podcast started made a lot, as it turns out, so much. <laughs> oh. So many times. But uh, which movie are we going to be discussing today? We are talking about the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, directed by Joe Wright. Yes. Uh, Pride and Prejudice, directed by Joe Wright, written by Deborah Maguk. I cannot, I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly. Maguk, I'm pretty sure I'm butchering that. I think so. She's clearly Scottish, so who's to say? Yeah, I... She uh, she did the screenplay adapted from the novel by Jane Austen, of course, starring Kira Knightley. In I'm going to go with the the casting order listed on IMDb here, people. Just just so we're clear, uh, Kira Knightley, Tallulah Riley, Rosemond Pike, Jenna Malone, Carrie Mulligan, Donald Sutherland, Brenda Bleeth Blethen Blethen Blethen. Damn it, Brenda Blethen, uh, Claudie Blakely, Sylvester Morand, Simon Woods. Kelly Riley, Matthew McFadden, Pip Torrens, Janet Whiteside, and Sinead Matthews. And Judy Dench. The problem with Judy IMDb Dench. is they listed in order of appearance. And so yes, like, yeah. To go all the way down to get to Judy Dench. So But still, that's a pretty wild cast, which if I'm being perfectly honest, rewatching the movie, I had completely forgotten half of those people were even in the movie. It's Carrie Mulligan's first film role. And I love Carrie Mulligan. She's great. She's like 17 in this movie. She's, yeah. I was like, my God, Carrie Moles yeah. looking real young. Jesus. <laughs> she's like in, she has like seven lives. <laughs> she's like she is, she's, she came out of high school or something. That's yeah. what it looks like. I was like, holy crap, that's Carrie Mulligan. She's so little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh, Jenna Malone. I recognized her immediately, but I was like, I also haven't seen you. Where you been? Where you been at? Put more Jenna Malone out there. And, um, the first thing that we usually go over is our initial thoughts about it. Generally what we thought the very first time we saw it versus like watching it now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in case anybody's unclear on the the synopsis or the general overall story, I need to read the synopsis. I've been failing at this in my last few. <laughs> uh, I did it in the last two, but prior to that, I've skipped the synopsis every single time. Noise. <laughs> but uh, I'm finding now it's very important to read them just because it lends a little bit to the podcast and, and hearing how they chose to describe the movie. Sure. 
Sparks fly when spirited Elizabeth Bennet meets single, rich, and proud Mr. Darcy. But Mr. Darcy reluctantly finds himself falling in love with a woman beneath his class. Gasp. Can each <gasps> overcome their own pride and prejudice? I don't know. I don't know who wrote that on IMDb, but it's uh, great. It's great. Like, well done, them. Well, well played. I also, I think it's worth mentioning that the music in this movie is done by Dario Marianelli, who does a lot of the music for Joe Wright. He's done scores for like a bunch of different films it's like 75 films on his imdb but he did atonement um the music in this movie has always really struck me as just sort of above and beyond and really cool how they use the themes and in a way that a lot of austin movies don't really do that so i just wanted to mention him because he's a very talented person that deserves to be mentioned good call uh, and the music and score in this, yeah, is very, very good. It accompanies what I was going to say. The uh, the cinematography is pretty, pretty, pretty killer. Actually, I was uh, really into it. The first time I watched this movie, I don't recall picking that out as much as mm-hmm. like this time around. Mm-hmm. But uh, like the long camera sequences going through the ball and going to all the different people. I was like, oh, yeah. these are great. Yeah. I love this. Nice, nice yeah. long waters. It's, you know, my the first time I saw this, I saw it in the theater. So I was 17. And this was the movie that made me like Keira Knightley, you know, as a 17 year old girl who wanted to be an actor. I had some bitter, sour grapes about Keira Knightley and I just was convinced she wasn't that good. And then I saw this movie and, and I, you know, I've been Pride and Prejudice has been a part of my life forever. And she just did such a good job that I was like, ah, fuck. Well, I guess I have to like Kira Knightley now. So that was when I was 17. That was the thing that stuck with me the most probably about the movie was her. Um, She's great in this. (laughs) She's just great in this. Uh, I definitely agree. I've always kind of liked Kira Knightley. And this is like one of those performances that, I forgot entirely about it. It went in one in one side of my brain and out the <laughs> other, I guess. Uh, but she is. She's really good in it. And she plays the character well. She really, like, commits to all the choices that, that she decides to make in the movie. Oh, God. I just realized we skipped somebody in the cast billing. There's probably a lot more people because it's a long cast list. Mm-hmm. That's just like Mr. Collins just went through my mind and I was like, wait, oh, that's um, so great. Yeah. And I was like, that's, we didn't even, I know we didn't say his name in the cast list. Oh no. <laughs> He's like one of the scars guards, isn't he? No. That's, that's no. somebody else I'm thinking of then. Yeah, he he, but he he was in Pirates of the Caribbean. He's he's yes. in, he's a British yeah. actor. He's in lots lots and lots of things, and I can't think of his name, which is terrible. Um, what is his name? Did I pass him? Yeah, he's not on the main cast list. I'm gonna go into the full cast. He doesn't show cast. up until so long into the movie. Tom Hollander is what yeah, his name is. Yeah, that's and it. Ru- and Rupert Friend plays Mr. Wickham, and I don't think we mentioned him either because he's You're pretty right. far down there. Yeah, the cast is just amazing. I mean, and, and something that always strikes me now that I'm older watching this movie is that all of the people in it are playing about the age of the characters that they're based on. So Kira Knightley was about 20 years old when they filmed this. Mm-hmm. Carrie Mulligan and Jenna Malone were both still in their teens. And I think that that really makes a huge difference and i also know that joe wright like they basically lived in that house together for like i think it weeks possibly even up to a month or two before they started filming so they really like bonded and that's something that always strikes me now is that it's um 
I always look for in film and television when sibling relationships ring true to me. And this definitely does. Like they seem like sisters. They seem with all of that, what all of that entails. And the the relationships are very well just sketched out, I guess. It doesn't feel, you know, as I get older, the more I appreciate about movies and TV that actually get that right because it's rare. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's. You know, loving, biting relationships can be hard to write, mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes. So when, when they definitely are done right, it's a lot more fun to enjoy. And that's most sibling relationships are that way. So it's I always get really weirded out when I see sibling relationships on any media where the, the brother and sister are like aggressively close. It's like, yeah, my siblings are close, but not like that. And there's a lot more cursing and sarcasm involved. But, you know, sure, whatever. I mean, and that's that's the thing about it is that they're the people who know you for better or for worse, better than anyone on the planet, and that can be great and that can be awful. Um, I mean, I think you and I have talked about this, and it's it's TV, not film, but the two that yeah. stick with me is that have gotten it super right is Schitt's Creek and Fleabag. Like yep. those those are siblings. <laughs> those are siblings and especially sisters but anyway back to pride and prejudice yes it just you know (laughs) just like the the different relationships and how they how they relate to each other so yeah that was part of my number three that i was going to talk about the specific things that i like the sibling relationships i think are very cool (laughs) uh yeah i mean that's that's definitely a good way to segue into like what we liked and what worked and why and uh that's a good one for sure I've already talked about like the camera work, but like the choreography of the camera work and just the choreography of everything around it Mm -hmm. is amazing. I love, Mm -hmm. I love all of it. It, uh, I should have looked it up ahead of time, but there's like a, it's a Russian film where they do the whole thing is like almost one, just one long take. It's like an hour and a half or something like that. And they, I guess the history of it is they shot it only three times, but rehearsed it like, a hundred with all these extras and all these people. It's like a huge, like, yeah, it's, it's wild. And I find that like, you know, the dedication to that is extremely impressive. So seeing something like that on a smaller scale, but still executed to such a high degree is really cool. I was like, really enjoying it. I was like, Oh shit, this is great. Look at this camera work. My God. <laughs> Look at this camera work. Well, I mean, and it, it reminds me, you know, things that seem more like theater. My favorite Hitchcock movie is Rope because they did it in mm. three takes. And you can tell there there are, you know, those are theater actors and they are oh, yeah. really good at it. <laughs> so it's, it's just this sort of, and I'm thinking about a director and I have to look it up because I'm the worst. Robert Altman. There are parts of this movie that feel very Robert Altman-esque to me because of the whole, there's a lot going on and then there are conversations happening. And sometimes you can hear them really well and sometimes you can't. And it's sort of like all of the ball scenes, but especially the first ball scene mm-hmm. seems like I've I've been in that party before where it's just so claustrophobic, but so fun, you know, and so it, you yeah. can more understand why someone who has social anxiety like Mr. Darcy would just the worst parts of him would come out in that setting where he just feels completely surrounded by people he doesn't know and, mm-hmm. he, does, and he knows that he's going to come off badly and he just can't do anything about it i like that in a lot of the other adaptations it's much more like romanticized and stylized what living 
in that sort of town would be like. And that's another thing I actually really like about the movie is the set on a farm. They live in this house that's a working, their livestock running in and out. It's it's the house is alive. It's not just a, an estate because that's what an estate was, especially if you're right. not as wealthy. So I thought that was a lot of those shots of her walking around with the geese and with, you know, with the pigs and stuff. And it's like, yeah, that seems more accurate of a depiction of what life probably was like. So I think that's really cool. And I like how he leaned into that pretty hard. The shots through the windows of them all. It's just, I mean, Joe Wright is just an incredible, he just, his pictures are just stunning. So yeah, anyway, and I'm sure I don't know the cinematographer's name, which is terrible of me, but I'm sure that he probably works with the same one. Oh, uh, I'm. I was just looking. Mm-hmm. I don't know the cinematographer. I've seen some of these movies, but I just yet yeah, didn't know. Uh, didn't know the name. Yeah. Roman, Roman Osen, O S I N, Osen Osen. Osen. Don't know. Yeah, I'm looking at his movie catalog here, and I've definitely seen some of these movies. So <laughs> I just Big Girls Don't Cry. I've uh-huh. seen that. Uh, Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Mr. Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Oh, interesting. I've never mm. seen that movie, which, you know, I don't know why. Just haven't done it. The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Interesting. Yeah. He's great. There's a lot of other ones. I just haven't, uh, I have not seen them. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, Weird. you know, must not work with Joe Wright very often, but. Super, yeah, I think not. Super good work. Good, yeah, very good work. Very good work. <laughs> beautiful pictures. Beautiful mm-hmm. pictures. Yes. <laughs> so I think uh, other things that I really liked were probably just their mom because <laughs> she's such a wackadoodle, <laughs> and like you know, it makes sense her priorities for the time period. And I like, you're way too intense. And that's so funny because she's so, that's something about this movie. And again, being a, an Austinophile, um, this version of Pride and Prejudice is so much softer than other versions. And she is like, if normal Mrs. Bennett is at a 10, Brenda Blethyn's Mrs. Bennett is at like a seven. Like she's just, she's a lot less she's more likable which is true of a bunch of the characters i mean donald sutherland's mr bennett i love it but i know people who don't like this movie just because of how he plays mr bennett he's so Hmm. sweet and kind and in the book like no um not at all it's an interesting sort of thing of like the reason why lizzie is so against marriage is because her parents have such a horrible marriage it's just awful and in this movie they don't you know I think they get annoyed with each other, but they clearly have these moments where they, you can see how much they love each other. And that is not, that was, that's, that's these, these actors and this director making that decision. And I am, I don't have issues with it, but it's very different. So people are just softer. Gotcha. Um, Very interesting. I'm going to, at some point I'll have to read, I'll have to read the book. I've never read the book and I should. It's great. I mean, you know. Of course, I'm going to say that, but it is great. It's not my favorite Austin, but I do love it quite a bit. So, <laughs> well, yeah, I find that very interesting, but I definitely I want to read the book because of that. I really did enjoy those performances from them. Um, you know, Donald, I like Donald Sutherland in, in most most of the things I think he's he's done. He definitely is sweet. 
in this more more often than not. And his one, I can't think of another one, but his one quote unquote harsh moment where like he ultimatums Lizzie. It's not even that harsh of an ultimatum. And like, it's so, great. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's directly from the book. That line, that whole thing is directly from the book. Yeah. And the, the end is with him and Kira Knightley is just beautiful. That whole scene of him and yeah. And that also line for line straight from the book. So the, the the version of him in the book is that he he's soft with Lizzie and nobody else. Like she is the only one in that household that he actually really likes. And Jane to a slightly lesser extent. Um, but he just cannot stand the rest of his family and is not quiet about it. Yeah. You get the sense that it's like they got married because they had sexual chemistry and then had no other things in common and Jane Austen is very 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 clear on how she feels about those sorts of relationships she thinks they're bad so you know if you marry someone because you think they're hot then it's just gonna not be a good marriage you know as opposed to Lizzie and Darcy who are so similar in temperament and they can go toe to toe with each other and they clearly have similar interests and things like that it is an, an interesting it makes the movie just I don't know. For me, this movie is like putting a warm blanket around my shoulders, you know, like it's just Mm. easy and light and wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) One thing watching it, I definitely liked, and this kind of will probably help segue segue into like moments that stuck with you because this stuck with me (laughs) was, uh, I mean, seeing all the conventions of the time period and uh, you know, what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, the, the behavior expectations, the protocol, all that. I was just like, I was so exhausted, like (laughs) watching these people interact. It was just like, wow. Can you imagine? I I can't. (laughs) I I was just like, I cannot imagine having to do this with all these people who you, you, you barely know or even care about. You just have to be like the stupid dance back and forth of mm-hmm. these cordialities. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm really glad I don't have to deal with that shit. Um, <laughs> but it was really fun watching these these actors and these characters do it just because like, I think they all did a great job of playing into how normal this is and like how much a part of their lives. But also I feel like the annoyance and the exhaustion with the protocol was also being played up by most of the people in the movie, which I was like, this is kind of great. Nobody really is enjoying this. They're just doing it because it's the norm. So that's kind of fun. I really like the the slight exploration of that through the movie. Like me sort of glom on to because she is so very clearly is just like, fuck this, fuck this whole thing. I hate it. I don't want to do it. And she turns down two different marriage proposals and her family is poor. Like at the, like that's unheard. And you know, and as you get older, when I was younger, I was like, oh, that's great. And now as an older person, I'm just like, what a selfish bitch just like fucking over her family over and over again just because she just doesn't want to but I don't know I don't think I would have been able to do this well if I had been alive at the time I probably would have ended up a ruined woman because I would have just been like this is dumb so who's to say I mean the moments that I love are I literally wrote in all caps the rain scene mm-hmm. love the rain yeah. scene big fan great scene. Um, it's a great scene again like the way that he shot this movie in so many different locations and and changing things in the book to make it more romantic or more intense and that's definitely one of them like that doesn't that doesn't happen like that in the, in the book but it's wonderful and just the again the way that you see that like yes Darcy's wonderful but he 
he's full of himself and and doesn't go about it in a good way and and she just doesn't back down and and in it's much more of a theme in the book sorry to keep being like the book the book but he says to her at some point that like he was going down a path to becoming a, a bad person who who just believed everything that he thought and never tested those things and she made him look at his life and go oh I can't be like this anymore. They bring out the best in each other, but they also bring out the worst in each other. And I love that rain scene for that reason. Like, again, all the social norms, and they're literally just yelling at each other. (laughs) You're a dick. Um, And it's great. Uh, I feel like that moment is, is a great, it's a great scene back and forth. They are standing toe to toe calling each other out more or less in this like rainy dramatic scene. Darcy puts his affections out there and she's like, what? <laughs> what the fuck? He's like, I but love you. Like, and she's like, you've got a funny life. way of showing it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean you love me? You're doing all this other bullshit. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, you're right. I am. Fuck. Okay. Well, exactly. sorry. Yeah. And then My the letter, bad. man, never, never doubt the power of a well-written letter um but yeah that's that that scene is just it's just one of those scenes but i love the whole scene when bingley towards the end when bingley comes back um to fight to propose to jane both of those scenes the first one where he walks in and then miss bennett just like plows over him with words and he freaks out and leaves and then the proposal practice is still i remember like seeing that in the theaters it's just like i laughed for days about the the like miss bennett mr bigley that whole thing it's just it's so delightful and like like you said, it's just these characters feel so real. Like you can feel, I love that actor too, whose name of course is escaping me, who plays Bingley. And it was funny for me because I had just seen Rome when this movie came out and he plays Caesar Augustus, like the most evil piece of shit um, in the, in his, like one of the most evil men in history. And then you see him play Bingley and I was just like, Bleh. but he's so lovely. And he just leans into it. He's just like, yeah, he doesn't need to have any like hard edges or he's just he's just a sweet, awkward little puppy. Like, that's what he is. And <laughs> That's exactly what he is. Yeah. He's such a he's such a sweetheart. Yeah. But those moments, all of those, the proposal practice, the whole the whole of them trying to look normal, that whole scene, yep. like throw me the ribbons and I'm we're going to and then the door opens and they're just all sitting there beautifully and that that. <laughs> that camera picture and it's just it's so well done yeah so that fits into like the camera work too which is the one of my personal highlights of the movie i think the camera work yeah is amazing <laughs> and the the pictures that he sets up oh yeah i i mean obviously i agree i've talked about the camera work a few different times yeah. at <laughs> this point. It. i'm like i'm not i'm gonna talk about that later <laughs> I just, yeah, that uh, it really was one of the things that immediately jumped out at me, especially on my rewatch of it, was just how how nicely everything was shot. And um, it's 2005 the movie came out, but like so often with period pieces, it'll have that weird quality where it almost looks like they, they also shot it way earlier. Time. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that doesn't always lend itself well to, no. to stuff like this. Yeah. So having it more polished a little bit more glossy but also while also showing the niceness and the dirt but i don't know i, mean, I just thought it was 
artfully artfully shot artfully yeah. shot well composed it's yeah. pretty and it's beautiful everything. but also like like i talked about before there's a messy quality to it that a lot of the time yeah. the period pieces like you can believe looking at their hair that they did each other's hair for that ball or that their right. maid did it for them but they didn't have and the costumes are beautiful but a lot of times when they're just sort of walking around their house they're wearing dresses that are super out of fashion that's something i wrote down too is the attention to detail yes is really incredible because it's the, the the one in 1995 is six hours long like you you know yeah, to get everything hell. from the book into this film but they had little like there are little easter eggs all over the place the whole one of my favorites is um when Mr. Collins shows up and he's just like, I'm going to read to you for two hours from Fordyce's Sermons. Fordyce's Sermons is a book, and this happens in the book. It's a, It was a book that was written about how women should act, like the proper way for women to act. And then much, right. much later, when you're seeing the shot of the whole house after Jane's been proposed to, Mary and Kitty are in their room and Mary is reading. And she's reading from Fordyce's Sermons. And like just things like that that are, if you're a weirdo nerd like me... You're going, oh, fuck, that's so cool. And if you're not a weirdo mm. nerd like me, it doesn't pull you out of it. You know, it's not enough of a the attention to detail is really cool, but it's not like you can only enjoy this movie if you're super into Austin, mm. which I yeah. think is cool. Little things like that and callbacks to earlier parts of the movie. And I don't know, it's just really well done. I think um, that's what I'm saying with that. I really liked is this polished film look for a period that's messy. So right. it just amped up all those qualities. Right. Like you can see down to the wardrobe, like the dresses are very lived in because they would have to be obviously right. like they've had these clothes a long time. They comment on it. Obviously it's like a point that Bingley's sister, when Elizabeth walks at the beginning, she's like, she's got six inches of mud up her hem. <laughs> I know that's probably in the book, but I love that it was, just a detail that's mentioned it entirely at all because it's exactly what we're talking about it's like that real quality to the life the way you would have lived life at that time walking everywhere yeah They're real people and i think that yeah. the way that the scene and i still to this day have no idea how they shot it but when she's standing on that bluff and the wind is blowing like crazy and i'm just like i don't know if it's cgi or not who's to say but it's so striking but it also seems like something she would fucking do so it's it's doesn't seem like it's glossy or beauty for beauty's sake it fits really well into the characters and into the story that they're trying to tell um mm -hmm. and i appreciate that and they seem like real people which they should and sometimes like you're saying in period pieces it seems like these aren't real people <laughs> these aren't humans and like this is not yeah. how anyone would ever live even 200 300 years ago they caught that balance pretty well i think um yeah i think it's the difference between like realism and playing it almost caricature ish right. which right. Is, is how it usually comes out yeah that stuck with me uh all those things the, all of that shit <laughs> <laughs> so eloquent uh so here um, I'm trying to think of like anything else that stuck with me before like rolling into our next little section. Um, the geese <laughs> that stuck with me because every time I think of it, like I crack up a little bit is like her mom running after her and, and he's just the huge shitload of geese just in the middle of the way, like clearing the path. Elizabeth, Lizzie, come back. 
just like, what? Oh my God. It's just, it's like, whether it was meant to be comedic or not, it was. And I laughed and it it stuck with me. So (laughs) I just keep giggling when I think about it. Yeah. Something I haven't mentioned yet is I also appreciate um, the lack of makeup. I really enjoy. Um, They're definitely wearing makeup. Don't, (laughs) nobody should be fooled, but it's not a lot. It's not a lot of makeup. And especially someone like, I mean, Rosamund Pike is arguably the most beautiful woman to ever play Jane. She's so, so lovely. And she's not wearing a lot of makeup. She's definitely not wearing mascara. She's just the way they film her, like basking her in this like golden light. But she's just, she's just lovely. And they're not relying on artifice to make that come out. And I, I, I appreciate that as well because people back then didn't wear a lot of makeup unless you were literally a prostitute. So it's, I, I always love that about that with Kira and with Kira Knightley, you know, you can see that she's got a little bit of stuff smudged around her eyes and a little bit of things to like help make her pop and probably is wearing foundation or whatever, but it's not distracting like yeah. it sometimes is where it's like, yeah, this woman in the 1800s woke up with a full face of makeup and her hair is perfect and you don't get that sense. <laughs> exactly i think that's cool and rosamund that's something i haven't talked about yet i the performances in this movie i think are just wonderful i think matthew mcfadden is just wonderful and i had never seen him in anything before this and he just is such a great darcy than the few times when he finally smiles like around his sister and it's just so striking because he doesn't do it it happens like three times in the movie and it always sticks with me the moments where he's just really happy but he's great i mean everyone i really think is great and at tom hollander is fantastic as mr collins and but rosamund pike i I had never seen her in anything before this either. And she she's just so good. <laughs> she's just so good as Jane. We'd have to call out to the performances. The acting in this film is just wonderful. So absolutely. And a good segue into the next section, personal highlights in the from the movie is specifically on performance moments, set pieces, story. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I have to like I didn't realize like i said half the people that were in this movie so like rewatching it and seeing rosamund pike i was just a little flabbergasted <laughs> i was a little, a little dumbstruck she's really was good like her really big break honestly and so most of what we know her from has happened since then <laughs> so yeah it's very it's kind of one of those things too that i often love is when you can remember seeing an actor or actress like pop up in things vaguely, mm-hmm. like you have a vague memory of the, oh, right, they pop up in this movie as this right. one small character. Right. And this was kind of like that. I was like, this is a bigger movie, but I remembered seeing her face prior to 2005 in this movie. And like, that was her first really big one that I remembered. Right. I just was floored. Yeah. As you've already said, their performances are all really like well done. All the characters are really well played, but the big ones for the story obviously are Jane and mm-hmm. Lizzie and Darcy and you know Mr. Bingley. If they weren't as well played as they had been, nothing in this movie works as well. The whole tenor of it would have been bad. But the four of them, specifically the main characters, really, really brought it. Kira Knightley, like I know some people are hit or miss on her, but she she's really good in this. She's enjoyable the whole time. I'm like on her side the whole time, even when she's, you could argue she's being selfish, but <laughs> I was like, no, yeah, get, get it. Like tell, tell them what's up. Yeah. 
don't don't settle don't settle get after that romance damn it you deserve it <laughs> yeah um yeah i agree i also i i am a huge brenda blethen fan so she she always sticks out to me in everything she's ever in and in this movie is no exception she is fantastic and and in yes. those those scenes that we were talking about the big ball scenes where you sort of see little glimpses of them she's always her characterization is always so incredibly specific and I just really appreciate her and that. And again, a lot of these actors are, this is the British thing, right? A lot of them come up in the theater. I mean, and Keira Knightley, I think, is one of the exceptions to that, especially in this movie. She didn't, you know, she's she's a film baby. And she does such a good job of still having so well-rounded a character. You get the sense also that they're having so much fun. Um, right. And there's no, like, diva quality to it, which is really cool. They're all just so happy to be there. Like You can just feel that. And I love movies like that, I, even if they're not great movies i love movies where you can just tell that everyone is just having the fucking time of their life and i i love that about this movie they're just they're just so happy that they're they get to be there and she's fantastic i love her from like a behind the scenes level them being there and all of those actors getting the opportunity to do this they probably were just beyond excited they were probably like super super thrilled just to have the opportunity to do this yeah Maybe that could also be like an important quality behind the casting of all these different characters is having the level of excitement and thrill and fun and like wonder that all these people had in playing these characters mm -hmm. was probably integral in casting the characters. Right. Because at the time, especially this came out, most of the sisters that are cast are not big names. I mean, Jen really. Malone at the time was one of the biggest names in this cast, especially, I mean, she's also one of two Americans in this cast. It's her. And, right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Donald Sutherland is an American, correct? I'm pretty sure. Yes. Yes. So another random factoid that I know, I apologize, is that Carrie Mulligan wrote joe wright letters like she threw i think she had an agent at the time but she went through and was just like please for the love of god let me be in this movie please i don't care who i play i don't care i just want to be in this fucking movie i love this story and she just like really advocated for that and she got cast as kitty which is kitty and mary are definitely the smallest roles for the yeah. sisters in this and then she's had such an incredible career ever since so yeah it's it's the the background of it i think lends itself to it that everyone was just really excited and didn't want to fuck it up <laughs> you know? yeah yeah so looking back at uh because kira knightley and jenna malone are probably the bigger names for the sisters at that at the time the, yeah. this movie came out well it was post Pirates of the Caribbean, post Bend It Like Beckham. So Kira Knightley was definitely already, you yeah. know, established. Um, and Jenna Malone, Wait, I mean, was post Pirates. Donnie Darko. But yeah, she had already been in a bunch of stuff when this movie came out. Definitely the two of them. And then a bunch of British actors. Like like I said, Matthew McFadden. If you'd never seen Rome, you wouldn't have known who Simon yeah. Woods was. Tom Hollander, too. This was before he was in Pirates of the Caribbean. It was before that film came out. So... For Americans, a huge portion of this cast were unknowns. And most of my British friends were like, no, I knew who Matthew McFadden was. And I'm like, good for you. Like, I had no idea, you know. Oh, wow. Those happened in rapid succession. I didn't realize mm -hmm. how close together those were. Bennett Like Beckham was 2002. Mm -hmm. And Pirates was 2003. Yep. So she was 16 for Bennett Like Beckham, 17 for Pirates. And then, right. et cetera, et cetera. So then Love Actually, yep. then King Arthur, right. then The Jacket, then Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
she was there for all of those movies, but I just, I just never really vibed with her. And I think probably again, it was, I was, I'm three years younger than Keira Knightley, I think. So like, I was very like, why do you get this life? And I don't, you know, there was definitely part of that, but she, and ever since I, I think she's fantastic. I think she's a really good actor and she picks period pieces on purpose, which I think is interesting. Looking at some of her track record here and a lot of them. No, she said it. She's said, she has said that she thinks that women are treated better in period pieces than they are in modern adaptations, like modern films. She thinks mm. that women have better roles in period pieces. And, you know, you know, she's not entirely yeah. wrong. She's like, I've been in how many movies and I've had to do how many rape scenes? Like, so, um, which is an interesting point. I think the closest she came was um, A Dangerous Method, which is a a movie I like a lot, but have only seen once, which is it's about Freud and Jung. And so it's Michael Fassbender and she plays their very famous patient um, and she's great in it. She's just so good. She is. But that director, oh, God, I'm the worst. He did A History of Violence and Eastern Promises. He's wonderful and I love him, but his movies are not easy to watch. (laughs) Yeah, you're not wrong about that (laughs) (laughs) Um, they typically are pretty pretty intense yeah she's great she's so good in this yeah and there are so many scenes we didn't even talk about but you know hey no (laughs) i mean the only one that i was i just remembered especially talking about camera work is the scene where where darcy and 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 lizzie dance together for the first time and at a certain point after they decide not to talk anymore they're suddenly alone in this room. And I remember seeing that in the theater in 2005, and I'd never seen an Austin shot that way, where it's literally like everyone disappears except the two of them. And and to capture that so well, I thought was really cool. And then the music ends and suddenly everyone's there again. And it's very, um, it's very romantic for sure, but it's such a cool film thing that you can do whereas on stage you would have to have it literally everyone just like run off stage (laughs) right it would be like a dramatic spotlight everybody clears which you can do but it's such a cool way of using the medium for this for this film to sort of drive those sort of points home without hammering it into your head yeah yeah it's it's yeah i forgot about that scene but that when i was 17 seeing it for the first time i was like oh that's cool <laughs> that's i've never seen an austin adaptation do that before cool no but, i dig that i really do um mm-hmm. especially highlighting those like that moment specifically that you just talked about like mm-hmm. yeah that's a great moment and i forgot about it entirely <laughs> uh just because they i've seen that done in different movies sure. or shows but it's always kind of I don't know. It's always done a little bit differently. So I enjoy when they do that just because I like the idea of these characters having a moment that's like, oh, we're the only people in this moment in time. And that's how they feel about it. And that's how you should feel about it watching them. So I love that as a concept. The way that they act it sells it because they're so, so wrapped up in each other that it doesn't feel artificial them doing that and i think like you said had matthew mcfadden and Kira knightley been not as good um there are so many moments in this movie that wouldn't have worked but that one in particular would have felt very awkward and strange if they weren't so honed in on one on one another and so i think that really speaks to what you were talking about with their with their performances and um 
yeah in those moments that that woof if they hadn't been so great it would have it would have fallen flat the level of investment so much of what they're saying is biting and exacting but the subtext and the subtlety of what they're playing behind the words there's a lot more to it than i think even what was maybe on the page between them and um pushing the the subtlety of the scene against the overt dialogue and making those play against each other which is what I think they did a great job of in most of their scenes together. This movie, it just, it makes me so happy. And I think, I think, and this might be a closing thought thing, but like, I think that movies like this that are clearly, fuck the word, advertised, what's the word? Marketed to women um, get written off and they don't really get as much of the recognition. So when you asked me to do this podcast, I, I I found myself falling into that and being like, okay, like what are the man movies that I can talk about? I'm a weird fan yeah. of Tarantino. I love Scorsese. I, I can talk about Boondock Saints till I'm blue in the face. But but just because a movie is romantic doesn't mean that it's not great and doesn't mean that it doesn't have these aspects to it. It is such a well done movie. It's such a well done movie and it doesn't have war in it and it doesn't have any like battle scenes and it just is this beautiful lovely film and and loving things that aren't about war or gangs or whatever doesn't make it like fluffy necessarily or not as well acted or not as important or and i think that that we're definitely seeing more of that in film and in television of people realizing that but with very few exceptions movies like this just don't the Jane Austen movies have a little more sway with the Academy. When Bridget Jones's Diary was nominated for Oscars, it was a huge deal because mm. comedies aren't, and especially romantic comedies, because those are women movies. I'm glad that you wanted that you were open to talking about this movie with me because it's 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 okay that it just makes you feel good. You know, that's and it doesn't mean oh, yeah. that it's not really well acted and really well shot and really well done. It just is a movie that I love for so many reasons. And it doesn't have to like break your heart to be a great movie. Very true. I agree with you very much in your last statement there about it, just because among other things, part of doing this is being able to talk about literally any movie. And right. the joy the joy of doing this is so far, it hasn't been the case, but I am excited about being asked to talk about a movie I haven't seen yet, because then I'll have to be a very new perspective and like maybe I'll have to watch it a few times before I can really say anything worthwhile about it. But one thing that always gets me with movies is that they should be, and I believe I've said this by the time this comes out, at least one or two podcasts ago there was a discussion we had we were talking about movies and when you're going to the movies it should be like in my opinion a, an emotionally engaging thought-provoking experience that takes you somewhere that takes you somewhere came from my guest at it doesn't have to be a high octane thrill ride adventure it just has to move you. It has to make you feel and think about something. It has to make you really excise yourself from your current reality, your current circumstances, so that you can be a part of this journey and enjoy yourself one way or the other. And I think, too, that, that we're getting better at it as a society as we move forward. But it's also that, like, things don't have to be perfect or beyond criticism to, to be good to be something that makes you feel good and makes you happy. The one that I always think of is it's like, I 
am a Marvel fanatic. The last few big, big films have been difficult for me. Like Endgame, I loved Endgame, but I walked out of that theater and I was just like, how dare they do what they did to both Steve and Matt? And I can look at that movie and say, yes, it made me cry and it was beautiful and it had beautiful moments that were really wonderful we're definitely moving in a good direction while also saying there's something deeply fucked up about having the woman sacrifice herself because she doesn't have a family and can't have a family which makes her just not important right and she mm -hmm. doesn't get a funeral like tony she gets five seconds of people being sort of sad and then the and then the story moves on from there those two things can exist simultaneously i can look at that yeah. movie and go Overall, I think they did a very good job with the very difficult task of wrapping that up. However, <laughs> you know, and so with stuff like this, I think also we're looking at things now of like when we consider classic movies, how classic is it or is it just because it's white men appreciate it? And that's a valid question. <laughs> like, you know, you look at movies like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Is it a beautiful movie? Yes. Is it well acted? Yes. Is it really not great that there is like no people of color in it and the ones that are in it are mocked? incessantly and the evilest character in like cinema history is a woman and she's the only woman in that movie yes <laughs> both of those things sorry my soapbox but it's just like you know <laughs> this idea of like things do not have to be perfect and you can be critical of something without writing it off entirely you know yeah absolutely yeah i mean in private also is a very white movie <laughs> we've never done it is. black austin which is really fucked up and it probably should happen but it is a very white movie there isn't a single person of color in this movie not a single one doesn't happen not even the extras not there which is a joe wright issue even in atonement it's like black people in world war ii nah that didn't happen <laughs> uh i can assure you it did I can, assure, I can promise you yes i'm a white i'm a white girl and this is one of my favorite movies and it is very much a white girl movie but <laughs> but it still is pretty great in a bunch of different ways so truly though whether it's a white girl movie or not quote unquote it it still is very enjoyable and it's taking a classic novel and bringing it to life in a way that of the many adaptations like i said as it turns out there are i think does do it in its own kind of different way that sets it apart it's enjoyable to watch start to finish pretty much um you can like you can root for the characters that you're supposed to be rooting for the characters that you're like not into or you're supposed to hate very easy to do that very easy to do that. Bingley's sister, even though she doesn't have that much screen time, she's the fucking worst. Like that, which was kind of genius, frankly. I was like, she isn't, she's not on the screen that much, but her just general presence and string pulling is so ever present throughout the whole thing. You just grow to hate her. Yeah, she's terrible. She's yeah. the one who I want to play the most of anyone in this in this story. And, and oh, and rightly so. So much fun. Like, so much fun. The villains, quote unquote, <laughs> are typically where you get to have the, your most fun because you get to be like the most loose or like exacting with however you want to direct your energy as your mm -hmm. as an actor. That's like that's a lot of fun. Of course it is. Yeah. I'm sure she had a fucking blast oh, playing yeah. that too. Yeah. Like there's no way she did. And she showed up again. She's in the Sherlock Holmes movies. She plays Mary Watson. She's in the... Damn it. I knew she... I was like, I know I've seen her. <laughs> She's like so familiar. And I've seen her in stuff like recently. She's also um, Kelly Riley. Kelly Riley. 
she she was in True Detective. She was in Yellowstone, which is like a newer-ish series. It only came out in like 2018. She's great. She's so good. Sherlock Holmes, Flight, Pride and Prejudice, oh, Eden Lake. Oh, God. Yeah. I love that movie, but I've only seen it once. It's one of those. It's just so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. Right? Well, and that's, I mean, that's a good segue into like the 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 post movie talk probably um oh yeah um i think uh last last thing i'll say about uh pride and prejudice is just uh my closing thoughts would be if you haven't seen it do give it a watch check it out just so you can see what we're talking about and like go on the journey with these characters if you enjoy the book and you were like i've seen that movie and i fucking hated it give it a rewatch give it a rewatch when's the last time you saw it give it a chance and just enjoy again as a, as if you're a cinephile watch it for the cinematography watch it mm-hmm. for the for the the musical themes and for things like that it's 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 enjoyable on a bunch of different levels even if this sort of film isn't really your jam even if you don't like romance and drama it's good acting either way you can still watch it and enjoy it for exactly those technical things and yeah. for the detail that they put into each of these frames that they have you can get on board yeah, it's a good it's a good gateway drug into Austin. My favorite Austin is Persuasion and both more famous versions of that that have happened in the last 30 years are really good. Um if you're in the mood, it's um if if you like this one, maybe give that a shot or The Sense and Sensibility directed by Ang Lee. Um oh, also that's really right. very good. I forgot about that one. And also we forgot to mention Emma Thompson who wrote The Sense and Sensibility directed by Ang Lee. She adapted it. She wrote extra dialogue for this film as well, for for this Pride and Prejudice. No shit. And she is, I'm pretty sure, she was nominated. I'm pretty sure she won the Oscar for adapted screenplay for Sense and Sensibility. Give it a shot, you know, and if you like this and there's there's so yeah. much Austin available to you and some of it is very modern. So that's my, that's my, my pitch. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I like it. pitch. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we get to move on to the next segment, uh, what I like to call the get to know you segment. Scott's big questions. Yes. Big questions. The big questions. It was so hard. It was so hard. The best part is, as uh, people are now will understand and learn, because Jeff has recorded his second podcast. But uh, obviously, when you come back on the show, the big questions have to change. (gasps) because oh exciting yeah see so, <laughs> i get to stump you with some other questions i threw the questions at jeff and he was like oh fuck <laughs> uh yep but anyway so this first question uh mm-hmm. what's the first movie you ever saw whether it was in theaters at home on vhs or at the drive-in the first movie i remember seeing in the theater and again like i didn't ask my parents about this because i was like yeah whatever um but the first movie i remember seeing was the lion king i was four left a pretty intense memory i have very vivid memories of seeing that in theaters the first movies i saw just at home are almost assuredly musicals. I don't know which ones they are. I would guess probably Oklahoma or The Wizard of Oz would be a good guess. I know I saw Star Wars at a very, very young age. I started, my parents exposed my sister and I to that by age five, maybe earlier. So, um, Sounds right. Yeah. So those are the ones that I can 
think of also cartoons. I mean, I've been watching Disney movies since birth, probably. So the ones I really remember, I have very vivid memories of Lion King and Wizard of Oz is that stuck and Star Wars when I was pretty young. That's awesome. So, yeah. I think so far that's the first Wizard of Oz mention as like an early movie. What? Surprisingly, surprisingly. I I think I saw that movie about a, a, like upwards of a hundred times by the time I was in my double digit years. Like I've seen that movie so many times. I've definitely seen it a bunch too. Uh, I was, yeah, I think it's, it's really interesting at the same time, Lion King has been mentioned a few times by people. And I think for our age bracket, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, it came out in 92. I was born in 88. So yeah. And I went with like my sister and all, all of my cousins, my grandma took all of us when we were visiting Colorado. So I just remember it so, so well. And I had to leave the theater when Fossa died because I was so upset. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I like that doesn't even surprise me. <laughs> I was so upset. I was so upset. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good, excellent choices. Excellent choices. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what are your top three movies? So I hate this question. I don't know if this is going to surprise you. Like, you can't see my notes, but I wrote down like 20 and then just crossed a bunch of them out because I thought of different ones. I, I hate this question. Um, they don't even have to be like your favorite movies of all time. Right. They're just like, they could be your current top three movies if you want. I mean, I broke it down. So I have the top three most watched and then favorites, meaning like ones that have really stuck with me probably sure. from the last 10 years. So the most watched are Pride and Prejudice. I've seen it many, 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 many times. And in the last year, I've watched Birds of Prey like 10 times. I love okay. that movie. And for someone who loves comic book movies as much as I do and Marvel and DC, I think Birds of Prey is in the top three made I just love it. I think it's phenomenal. And then uh, Ratatouille, my favorite Pixar movie. Seen it a many a time. And then I did like the movies that I think are really just ones that I've only seen a few times, but like hit me really hard. Sure. And those ones are Moonlight, Parasite, and Mad Max Fury Road. (laughs) Excellent choices. All excellent choices. Yeah. And I've seen Mad Max Fury Road more than twice, but Moonlight... I don't think I've ever had an experience in a movie theater the like the experience that I had watching Moonlight. I was just completely overcome the entire film. I thought it was just stunning, but it's so sad. I haven't been able to watch it as many times as it probably deserves. And Parasite's far too scary. Um, so I've seen it once. <laughs> I probably will never see it again. <laughs> like I thought it was as close to a, a perfect film as you can get. And now that I'm saying all this out loud, I have forgotten the biggest one, which is the 2009 Star Trek I have seen at least a, mm. at least 50 times, probably. So that's up there. And I also think that that is as close to a perfect movie as you can get. So. Ooh, ooh, contentious statement. I know. <laughs> I know. And that was another one where I was forced to see it because I am not a Star Trek person. And I loved it so much. I was like, holy shit. And it was before J.J. Abrams got old. Um, You know, it's before all of his stuff got, you know, and I thought it was just perfectly cast, really well shot. I loved the script. And I just was like, this, this is a great sci-fi movie. Um, Yeah. So those. (laughs) 
fair enough fair enough and the funny like i i do enjoy i do enjoy the 2009 star trek movie uh but calling it a perfect movie is 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 definitely a choice um i know i'm gonna get a lot of shit for that i mean it's like whatever you say that your favorite it's like i put on facebook once that rogue one a star wars story is my favorite is my i think it's the best star wars movie ever made and people went completely bat shit on me especially men it has to be said we're just like how dare you and i was like look okay well first of all the star wars fan base as a whole needs to just take a chill pill in general because they all and as i can say this as a star wars fan as, as am lifelong, I, you know yeah. uh, guys and i am generalizing guys <laughs> shut up i know shut up i mean people were just like have you seen empire strikes back and i'm like no i'm making this decision totally based on nothing um like yeah don't get me wrong i love empire strikes back it so is why? it is so do it is i up there i think i, I think have cited I, it as my favorite i can but, say uh, that empire strikes back i think is the best second movie in a trilogy that has ever existed possibly with the exception of toy story 2 but like Empire Strikes Back is so much better than any of the other like fantasy second movies. I I can say and think. Um, oh, but, I yeah, I agree. I agree. But anyway, but it was just I know that saying that about that Star Trek movie is going to get me a lot of shit. But I I I Whatever. stand by it. I think it's a phenomenal movie. <laughs> well, see, here's I, the best part: is like <laughs> now, no matter what, at some point, you're gonna have to come on and talk about Star Trek to defend your point. That. I'm so into that. I would love to do that with you. It's gonna, <laughs> so it's gonna have to time. happen. <laughs> Sounds uh, great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. So <laughs> we got top some top three movies in there. Some good, some good categories. Uh, not categories. Some good movie choices, just in general. Um, uh, and Parasite, by the way, like you see, Parasite is like close to a perfect movie. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that. I'm definitely with you on that. Fuck. Uh, yeah. The movie was so fucking good. <laughs> it was really, really fucking good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Okay. Next big question: What <laughs> movies are you looking forward to that aren't out yet? And yes, I know that is a kind Weird. of terribly unfair question <laughs> considering the times we're in, but. This question is designed twofold. One, mm-hmm. get to know what you're looking forward to. And two, I get to find out if there's any movies I don't know about. I had to look them up, to be perfectly fucking honest. I was like, I don't know what's coming out. I have no idea. So, yeah, they are big blockbustery type films are the ones that I'm looking forward to, which is funny because it's not really what we've been talking about. But um, I'm very much looking forward to No Time to Die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Waller Bridge is one of my favorite screenwriters currently alive and the fact that she wrote a huge portion of that film is extraordinarily exciting for me and i also i love daniel craig's bond with the exception of quantum of solace which was um and specter was kind of terrible as well but skyfall was so good (laughs) so good and and casino royale also i mean mads mikkelsen is just brilliant so anyway um no time to die big fan also knives out fuck knives out is one of my favorite movies of all time and anna de Armas and and daniel craig being on a screen again i'm just so excited um oh yeah so there's that um venom 2 super stoked right. i loved that's venom. right like i loved it <laughs> and i know that that's a 
bad opinion to have, but I just, I, I would watch Tom Hardy watch paint dry. I think he is one of the best actors currently alive. I love him. Um, and so I'm very excited to see what they do for Venom too. Um, yep. And I, they've, they've sort of hinted at Spider-Man being in it, which I'm very excited about. They've hinted at a bunch of different things. And so I was going to say they've hinted at a lot of, a lot of so, stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the new, the, the new Spider-Man movie, which isn't coming out anytime soon, but the, the announcements they keep making about it, I'm just like, give it to me, give it to me, give it to me. <laughs> so, oh yeah. I, the I minute they can, like, unless, unless it's changed the minute they confirmed that they were like, Oh yeah, they, they, they ended up getting Garfield and Toby Maguire uh, and, and, and Toby Maguire. And I was like, wait, what? Hold up. <laughs> Could you run that back for me, please? Cause uh, I did not expect this. And Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, I think is one of the better movies to come out of Marvel in ever. Um, and so I haven't Spider-Man is not my favorite Marvel character has never been I'm semi bored about him but I like Tom Holland's versions of him and so I I am cautiously optimistic about the new Spider-Man I think it might be really great lastly the the Ghostbusters movie very excited about Ghostbusters yeah it looks holy hell um this is perfect I I remembered that that was a thing that was coming out but I completely forgot about it and now I get to be excited about it again Yep. Um, I love all the kids in it. I would kill people for for Paul Rudd. So um, here for oh, all. Oh, yeah. Paul Rudd's just a national treasure. Right. And it looks kind of scary and kind of cool. Like they're sort of you've got a Stranger Things vibe going on, which I know I'm probably thinking just because it's the same actor. But I thought the same thing, though. Yeah. And I think that's part of I, obviously I think that's intentional. Yeah. I re- Obviously. But uh, I'm hoping that they're playing more into like the horror side of things than the gimmicky like comedy side of things which which, i'm all for camp don't get me wrong right same i I, you know i enjoyed both ghostbusters movies like i liked the women's version which i know is again a scandalous thing to say out loud but i don't um, think it's scandalous yeah at all yeah i liked Um, it a lot i mean you know it's never gonna be the original but that's no that's never gonna happen so but yeah those are the ones i'm looking forward to i you know yeah fucking venom 2 <laughs> so excited <laughs> uh, yeah i forgot about venom 2 coming out like ah but that's gonna be fun as hell just because i i know they already we, they already set it up and they already talked to him and i i'm if i missed anything again somebody can correct me but as far as i know woody harrelson's back yeah pretty sure yeah he's carnage yeah, so that's gonna be great like yeah. I, uh, holy well, that's shit. always been my, you know, my, my love of comics has always tended to the dark end of things. So if this was a TV show podcast, we would be talking about preacher period, the end. Um, but like, Oh yeah. Or, you know, yeah. that, that venom and Deadpool, Deadpool is another, I loved the first one. I actually really liked the second one too. Um, I liked them both. Yeah. I know a lot of people didn't like the second one. I liked it a lot. I loved it. I I love that actor, the who plays the 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 young boy. In oh it. yeah, Fantastic. he's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, but, I gushed all about him in uh, my second episode talking about Hunt for the Wilder People. See, that was in my recommendations. I didn't know if you talked about that one. Oh yet. man, yeah, so also good. Also, one of my favorite movies. I can't like. How do you pick three children? <laughs> like, I just you can't. It's impossible. And I like. I didn't even talk about Thor Ragnarok, which is like. Oh man. The, the, 
Uh, anyway, anything Taika Waititi does, I'm just like, great, cool, sign yeah. me up. I mean, what we do with the shot, what we do in the shadows, is phenomenal movie. Like it's just, I, yeah, anyway, anyway, I'm looking forward to his his Thor with Jane becoming Thor. Very excited about that. Um, yes, that'll yeah. be interesting. Just because, like, not that she didn't try, she did in the first one, but it's it's like. I'm I'm wholeheartedly hoping we get to see Natalie Portman come in and be really excited about her part. Yes. And I think that was more about, you know, she didn't like the director she was working with. She was promised a lot of stuff that she didn't that they didn't actually do for her. And, you know, I yeah, uh, it's sort of, you know, I can understand both sides of that. So, yeah. So I'm hoping I think that. We're, I mean, I don't understand anyone who wouldn't be over the moon to work with Taika Waititi, but I mean, yeah, I'm, I, I could know. die happy if I ever got to be in any one of his projects and be like, anyway. Yeah, that's one thing for me is like, I've always been a huge, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Natalie Portman fan, a big me one too, yeah. for, for years. So like, I was super let down by, uh, it's like, I wasn't even that invested to begin no. with. And then you got me invested and then you were like, you, you, yeah, okay. <laughs> I have, anyway. I have a good feeling because Ragnarok was just so far and away better than so many of the other like Marvel standalones. Agreed. I mean, I have a top, my top three Marvel standalones. Those are, this is a totally different list, but Ragnarok is just, it's, you know, it's brilliant and he's so good. Taika Waititi, he's just so good. <laughs> so anyway. Oh yeah. Taika Waititi, also a national treasure. <laughs> An international treasure. International treasure. Yeah. That you know sort of works my way into my recommendations. <laughs> yes. Any uh last personal recommendations not mentioned about not mentioned. Yeah. So we talked a bit about um Bong Jun Ho. We talked about Parasite. If you have not seen Snowpiercer, get the fuck on it. Um, I was gonna say it yeah. is a fun if, if you didn't bring it up, I was gonna. <laughs> and that that you know that movie was like, oh, Chris Evans can act. That's cool. Who who knew? He's so good in it. And that that movie is I've seen that movie many times. I adore it. It's an it's 90 minutes of just pure fantasticness. And he's he also made a movie called Okja, which is also very, very good and sad. And I recommend that one as well. Also, no, it's gotten a lot of hype. But if you haven't seen The Old Guard, I highly recommend The Old Guard. I haven't talked a lot about my love for Charlie Theron and her and her in her 40s sort of career change she's been having. But Atomic Blonde, The Old Guard, Mad Max Fury Road. I just am so here for Charlie oh, Theron yeah. kicking ass and taking names. Um and it's a really I would uh, and it's got just, I would I would gladly watch Charlize Theron kick ass for the next 30 years. Right? Like who needs Liam Neeson? Let's be honest. <laughs> it's just I want to do three taken remakes with Charlize Theron. Right? I'm so here for it. But yeah, the old guard on Netflix. It's it's I watched it the first weekend it came out cuz Tumblr completely blew up about it and i was like all right fine and it's actually a really good with the exception of the very one-dimensional villain so one-dimensional but everything else about it is just phenomenal i can't recommend it enough i was thinking about chris evans and there's a movie called gifted which is fantastic if you haven't seen it another one where he is in a movie with octavia spencer and it's just lovely Mm -hmm. yeah and then the last one on my list which is another movie that with great sibling roles is a movie called the family stone it's a christmas movie oh my god yeah um, 
sorry, Sarah Jessica Parker and a whole lot of other people. And it is um, sibling perfection in a film. Like very good. Yeah. I mean, again, I could sit here and talk about movies I love for the rest of my life. <laughs> Seven hour podcast of Sarah Furtis just being like, and this movie, and this movie, and this movie. But you know what's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so yeah, those are the ones that if you haven't seen them, give give them a look. Great. Uh <laughs> before I fully uh close out here with our wrap up and tags. I just want to, I had to look it up. Pride and prejudice turns back when you search in Google minimum. If you're talking about just project names, there's at least 17 pride and prejudices. Yep. <laughs> whether they're TVs or movies. Uh, and the 2005 one, that's why it took me a while to find it was because they, they went against the grain and they're the only one that did pride. And with an prejudice. ampersand. With yeah. An ampersand. Fucking A. <laughs> but everything else is just pride and prejudice. And right. there's so fucking many. There's so many. Uh, so many. Yeah, that was uh, that was just actual projects. There's 200 results in IMDb <laughs> for pride and prejudice. Yep. It's good stuff. Good stuff. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Um, pretty popular. <laughs> pretty popular. Pretty popular. Uh, that leaves us with uh, the, last, the last little thing here. We're just closing out. Do you have any tags or pluggables for things that you want to promote um the only thing i am doing a a zoom reading of a play by amy della Girino called dorm number five with walking shadow on february 25th so i don't think this is going to come out before then but if it does it's february 25th um yep and i i don't know i'll give you a link to it or something so yeah it's a play. Sounds it has good. nothing to do with what we're talking about, but that's it. That's what I've got going on. <laughs> Fair enough. All righty. And then uh, do you want to drop your your other IG tag or anything like oh, that? Oh, sure. No yeah. Pressure. So I'm active on Instagram and not on any other platform. <laughs> so I have a Twitter. Don't, I mean, it, it links Don't to my Instagram. It. So, yeah. you know, um, but my, my Instagram handle and Twitter handle is fiery furnace. So the word fiery and then my last name. So, yep. All right. Come you can find catch me. Sarah at fiery furnace yeah. uh, on IG and uh, Twitter, I guess, if you want to, but you, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a it's waste whatever. of your time, but sure. <laughs> I mean, I hear you. I hear you. You know, I know a lot of people do the Twitter. I, I, I don't. I have one, but I don't. Uh, I think there might be tweets from when I first started it and I was working at AMC. Yeah. Like years ago. I tried. There and then I was just like, I, got... I don't want to do this. I don't care. Yeah. There might be some retweeted jokes or like Tumblr blog posts, maybe. But that's about it. Yeah. I'm also on Tumblr. Same handle because I'm an idiot. So, you know, if you want to find me on Tumblr. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, yeah. That uh, that wraps up our our podcast here discussing pride and prejudice. Thank you for stopping by, Sarah. Thank I very much appreciate. Me. Of course, of course. We'll have you on next time for your next movie picks, and we'll uh, we'll have to figure out which which it's one gonna you want to Star do. Trek two thousand and nine. Okay, <laughs> Star Trek two thousand and nine. That'll be the next one on deck. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, thank you, Sarah. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. This has been Scott's movie pod until I think of a better name, which I may never do. Catch you next time. All right. Thank you very much for stopping by and listening to Scott's movie pod until I think of a better name, which I may never do. 
special thanks to my guests for coming on the show and all of you for listening. Original podcast music by Weston Lee Ball. You can find them at lava underscore submersible on Instagram and Weston Lee Ball on Facebook. And if you like the podcast, do me a favor and just rate and review. Let me know what you think. Leave a comment and uh, maybe I'll read it during the show. Thanks again and I'll catch you next time. <laughs>